Hey, it's Keith from Alien Ghost Robot Creative Media. Two quick notes. First, hang around after the credits to hear some trailers from other audio fiction podcasts you might like. Second, if you're enjoying this show and would like to support it and other programs like it, I'd be thrilled to have you join my Patreon. You can listen to all our shows ad-free and get some cool perks too. The link is in the show notes or at thelovetalker.com. Thanks. The Love Talker is a folk horror audio fiction production and contains mature content, including adult language, violence, domestic abuse, and sexual assault. A complete list of content warnings for this episode can be found in the show notes. Listener discretion is advised. For the best audio experience, we recommend listening with headphones. This road crosses the border between North Carolina and Tennessee three times. Maybe you can call it a road. It's twisted like old twine. The ancient asphalt's all cracked. Look, even the GPS doesn't know where the hell I am. But... It feels familiar. Yeah, I know one tree-covered mountain is pretty much like another up here. It's not so much different than Saltville. <laughs> but this is an old-growth forest. And even though I barely remember it, I was born here. Do you think that leaves an impression? Something in the light or the soil that sticks with you? Haunts right. Here's the turn. It's gravel roads from here. So dark under the spreading branches. Lots of beech forests up here. Sugar maples and ash, pines and black oak. Autumn is about to hit, and even when the leaves fall, Kilruin lives in the shadow of the mountain. I do remember how it always felt dark. I don't think that mountain has a name. I think it just... is. Tyler, I didn't text you back the last 18 times you texted me. I'm not going to text you back while I'm driving up the side of a mountain. Oh, for fu- What is your problem? Bren, where are you? No, I asked you a question first. What is your problem? Uh, what do you mean? I, I was, I was trying- 19 times! You texted me 19 times in the last two days, Tyler. You've called, you've left voicemails, and I didn't answer. What does that tell you? Bren, please, I... I I can't believe I have to say this again, but I want to be unambiguously clear. We're broken up. We're not dating anymore. You can't keep stalking me like this. I'm this close to blocking you with all my other exes. 
Why haven't you blocked me then? Because you were my friend. Because we've known each other for so long and... I mean, that's all messed up now. I don't want it to be, but you're out of control. And I thought you were different. I'm sorry, I just... I, I love you. I know. Love screws everything up. But please, stop calling. Stop texting, or I will have to block you. Can you just tell me where you are? I'm worried. No one's seen you around. Abigail said you just took off yesterday. Ty... I can't stop thinking about you, Ren. You took off, and... And I don't even know where you are, and I... I feel like that if... If I don't get the chance to talk to you again, I'll... I'll... You'll do what Frankie did? Ren, that's... That's such an awful thing to say. Is it? Because you're starting to act a lot like he did. Jesus, every time. I'm not going through that again, do you understand? So I'm gonna ask you again. Tyler, are you going to do what Frankie did? No. patient. Don't pity me. Everyone's given up on her. The cops, her family, and I just... I can't. You and she were my only real friends, and now... Well, now you're both gone. I'm not gone, Ren. We can still be friends. That's not how this works. Uh, maybe we can be. Just give me a chance to make things right. Please. Ty? You're breaking up. It's these mountains. Ty... Why are relationships so easy to fall into, but so hard to curl out of? Every single time. <gasps> Shit! <sighs> There's a tree down in the road. Almost hit it. <sighs> Lucky I didn't slip over the shoulder and fall off the goddamn mountain. I... Jesus. Check the maps out, but. Come on! No bars. I doubt there's another way to kill Ruin anyway. Uh, let's see if I can move this. I don't have to clear it from the road, just drag it enough out of the way so I can drive around it. Huh. There, there are axe wounds at the bottom of this trunk. This tree didn't fall over. Someone chopped it down. The leaves are wilting and dead. It's been down a while. That's odd. 
Hello? <sighs> I can't see a damn thing in these woods. The undergrowth is thick and the trees are set close together. Will you look at that? Well, sometimes up in the mountains, you'll see symbols carved into the trees and rocks. They call them witch marks. They're meant to hold spirits at bay, make an area sacred, banish evil, that sort of thing. Now look at that big oak growing by the side of the road. Its roots are clawing deep into the shoulder and its massive crooked branches spread overhead. Biggest tree for miles, you can't miss it. It's covered in witch marks. Circles, crude, rough-hewn arrows and wing shapes. The lines and patterns slash through the bark of the tree right from at the soil level up to as high as an outstretched hand can reach. Kind of a wonder the tree survived such frantic decoration. But it doesn't stop there. They've smeared blood into the marks. The trunk is dark, crimson, almost black. The flies swirl around, lapping at the surface. The largest of the witch marks is unusual. It's a heart with fishhook-like horns rising from the top. There are woven garlands hanging as well. Dried sage, rosemary, and cedar. They sway only a little in the faint breeze and do nothing to cover up the scent of decay which is coming from a woven lattice box that rests at the foot of the tree beneath the carvings. The scent coming from it is rich with rot, metallic, organic, life and death at the same time. Hearts. The box is full of animal hearts. Different sizes. I'm guessing deer or elk, goat, uh, maybe cow. It's hard to see. The blood is congealed and the hacked flesh sort of runs together. But I know a heart when I see one. You grow up on a farm, it's part of your day. Back in high school during biology, when we did dissections, some kids got grossed out. Sick. I don't get it. When I was 12, I found the carcass of a sheep that wolves had gotten. Papa Albert said that when he found me, I was up to my elbows in it and had blood all over my dress. Mama Hannah was angry and a little scared. But I wasn't doing anything. I was just looking. I was curious. I mean, aren't you? Mm-hmm. I got a finger between the sticks. Feel the slippery muscle under it. Dense and strong. The blood has turned to jelly. What's this supposed to be? Hill magic? Bait? An offering? They felled a tree nearby. Maybe it's all just to scare people off. Well, not me. All right. Let's move this fallen tree. Police said they got nowhere when they came up to investigate Janet's disappearance. 
Maybe they just didn't try hard enough. Memory returns, rolling out of the dark woods. Jesus, I had forgotten <laughs> nearly everything. But now, in the half light, with the sun behind the mountain and evening about to swallow up what remains, <laughs> it's like I never left. I think it's the smell, trees. Mountain herbs, wood smoke, turned, damp earth. The air is raw. I was only four, but... Oh, God, I remember this place now. It hadn't changed. Maybe it had never changed. Bitter, determined men and women came here. (laughs) They would have to be bitter and determined to stop here. To choose here to put down roots in the shadow of the mountain. They arrived in Jamestown, made a long trek overland, climbed into the unmarked and uninhabited mountain, bringing with them all they had clothes, a few tools, and their souls still heavy with home Ireland, Wales, England. They built a church and a village around it. And they named it Kilruin in memory of a home they left behind. Are these the same walls of mountain stone and hewn logs built by those same bitter, desperate people? The chimneys are caked in centuries of soot. The paths between the buildings are worn and muddy. Always muddy. It feels like it's always been here. In fact, it's the gravel road and the street lot in front of the general store that seems out of time. I hate this place. And this place hates me. Every time I think of Kilruin, I get nauseous. Angry. I remember... feeling lonely. So lonely. No one would talk to me. No one would play with me. No one had time for a red-haired foundling girl except... I don't want to think about them right now. Okay, let's see. There's a general store. Someone's ancient pickup is parked out front near the gas pump. Further along are houses. I can't remember which families live in them. That one is the hostel. I need to see about getting to bed there tonight and look around for any signs of Janet while I'm there. Uh... That's the log barn, smokehouse, and just past the well is the doctor's house. And, of course, the church. Guess I'll have to think about them after all. Part of me just wants to get back in my car and go home. This town doesn't want me here, and the feeling's mutual. And yet... I dream about these woods all the time. Relentless, insistent dreams. Never good ones. I was born here. Left on the mountainside here. Something primal impressed on my brain that I'm going to carry around forever. If I close my eyes and breathe slow, 
just let the scent of the wild into me, I can feel connected somehow. Uh, over the village is the cliff they call Hearts or Drop. The mountain's ridge is above that, through the thick forest. There's a trail out of town that leads up there. It's probably the trail Janet took to get here. If she got here. I wonder if I should go up there, look around, see if I can find something. The sun is low. Skies fading from ruddy orange to dark blue. People are coming out of the store. A woman is on her porch lighting a pink candle. Oh my god, the candles. The smell of thyme oil everywhere. Ugh, I'd almost forgotten. The men out in front of the general store are staring at me. They look familiar, but no names come to me. Maybe what I remember is their expression. Mistrust. Malice. A blank, hard stare devoid of any curiosity or goodwill. Oh, yeah, I remember Kilruin. I was little and powerless then, but not anymore. Evening. Uh-huh. I don't suppose you remember me. They just stare at me. Statues of spite. Uh, I'm going to assume that's a yes. They are made of lean, twisted muscle formed by years of subsistence and labor. Well, I I don't want you to get the wrong idea. Most mountain people are annoyingly friendly. The world is getting smaller. Places that were once remote are now practically across the street. But this is kill ruin. You can't stumble across a place like this. It takes effort to leave the world behind, ascend the mountain, and walk in its shadow. And maybe living like that changes you. Or maybe this place is just full of assholes. I need a few things. I don't suppose you take credit cards. We're closing. Mmm, that voice. A flash of a name. Charles Pugh. Important man, runs the store. Hatred in his eyes every time he looked at me. (laughs) I know you, Charles Pugh. I won't take up much of your valuable time then. Excuse me. To me, the store is all impressions, not memories. Farm tools all over the walls, uh, scythes and adzes and pitchforks. There's also the smell of tobacco and cigarette smoke, a dope machine, soda that is, that dispenses glass bottles, bags and nails and screws, cribs of cornmeal, shriveled strips of dried meat in jars. I'm telling what animal those are made of. And shelves of pink candles the size of fists that reek of thyme oil. I should have stopped on the way, picked up some groceries. But I wasn't really thinking. I just had to get away. From Tyler and the farm and the loneliness. We spent 12 years together in school. We graduated and it's like nothing changed except now we didn't have a reason to see each other every day. So we didn't. And after everything that happened, it it was only Janet and Tyler. And then she left to hike the Appalachian Trail. She invited me to come with her. Let's go find out who we are together, she said. I 
I told her no, I couldn't. I wake up covered in sweat with dreams of these woods simmering in my brain, and she wanted me to go there? I know Janet had her demons, but mine are here. She left me. She left me, and now she's gone. Fixing the dusky dark. We're closing. Be on your way, girl. Almost done. Red hair. Get you going. A couple more men come in. They're wearing denim and thrift store shirts. Stringy, long hair. Jaws of stone. Dead black eyes. All right. How to play this? Look, I just want to grab a few things to eat. Is the hostel open? You should not be here. Why not? Here, red mark of blood, child, brave, until you get you gone. And there it is. Red hair is bad luck. Like I had a choice. Why are you in a hurry to get rid of me? Did you block the road into town? You should have needed the warning. I'm looking for my friend, Janet. She was a hiker that came through here a little over a month ago. How'd you catch that? One of them shoots a glance behind the counter just for a second. They're moving around the store to come up behind me. What's back there? Gonna try to get a look, but gotta keep an eye out on all of them. You'd remember. The sheriff came by. She was... Oh. There's a mishmash of secondhand camping gear behind the counter. Most of it is junk. Old tarps and rope. Third-hand sleeping bags. Tucked under a surplus army blanket. It's Janet's backpack. I'm sure of it. I remember when she showed it to me. Olive green nylon with little purple threads. She was smiling, rattling off all of its features, its secret pockets, and lightweight frame. And I was just thinking about how she was going to be gone for six months. Oh, God. Where is she? What did you do to her? Where is she? Oh, the men are behind me now. Surrounding me. Those metal tools on the wall? Maybe I could get to them quick. Anything I can use to defend myself. Get in your car and go home, girl. I'm getting real tired of you calling me girl. Did you hear that? What was that? Out! They're on me. Four to one. Bigger. Heavier. <laughs> People don't understand. I'm not squeamish. I get my hand around a screwdriver. Mm, right into one of their legs. Charles Pugh gets my wrist. Wrenches the tool away. They drag me to the door. They throw me out onto the gravel road. Rocks dig into my hip, my hands. The smell of their chewing tobacco and sweat still hangs around me. The last trace is a ladder draining out of the heavens. The one I stabbed wants me dead. He limps toward me. Tear you up and feed you back to the mountain. Get inside, Noah Barnes. I'll tend to your leg. I show him who he's dealing with. I look him in the eye, hold up my hand, streaked with his blood. This yours? They're scared. 
of me. But also... Something else. Huh. The devil take you, girl. <sighs> Locked out. Every house is that way. They've got candles burning by their doors while their shutters are barred tight. And now it's night, and the single street lamp comes on, sluggish as it warms up, as if it's trying to find enough strength to fight the darkness. Fuckers! What is that? I knew it. I knew they'd be hiding something. Did she die on the trail nearby? Was she abducted? Raped? Murdered? Fucking kill ruin! Think they'll let me sleep in the hostel? I wouldn't bet on it. I'll sleep in my car if I have to. Still, the hostel's dark. I doubt anyone's even there. Did you hear that? I'm jumping at shadows now. The part of me expects one of them men to be waiting just around the corner with a pitchfork. Hostel's locked up, yep. Guess I'll sleep in my car. Probably safer, anyway. There is one other place in town I might stay, but I will never go back there. The church. Looks down on the whole town, stone and mortar so old it's only holding together out of spite. Uh, inside is the sanctuary. Storerooms and root cellar, the dingy kitchen, the tiny bathroom with the water that never got warm, the smell of incense and disinfectant, the nursery, and her room. But really, the whole church was hers. There's a light on in the church. I can see it through the glazed window. Small and flickering. Someone's moving inside. No. No. Sixteen years later and she's... Hello? Okay, someone is following me. Somewhere near the general store or a car. The street light is bright now. It hurts my eyes. Makes it hard to see anything in the shadows. Red hair is just a recessive genetic trait, asshole. Know that if you went to school. Or could spell recessive. Okay. Can't run back to my car. There in the dark near there. The road's the safest place for the moment. Open enough that I can see someone coming before they're on me. I guess I'm heading toward the church. Fuck. I don't have a knife or a gun or anything. Not that I needed one before. I am warning you, motherfuckers. I am not some hillbride to mess with. I will rip your goddamn balls off. The church's black door is lit by several pink candles, and the scent of time oil remains in the dark even after the light has been swallowed up. I know I saw someone inside. I know I saw the light through the windows. Ah, fuck it. church doors still seem huge. Us 
swear to fucking Christ, I will rip open your bellies and strangle you with your own guts. You shall not blaspheme here on holy ground. Or have you lost your lessons, Catherine? Just like that, I feel four years old again. She slaps me across the face there in the flickering candlelight like so many slaps before. At least you didn't use a stick this time. For a moment, I've forgotten about the men stalking me. All I can do is stare into her face. She looks the same, just older, harder, worn down. Her wrinkles are like scars, and her cloudy gray eyes are too small and angry to ever be beautiful. Sister Genevri. My first mother. I go by Wren now. Huh. Not to me. But you should come inside. The night is unfit for homecomings. The Love Talker, Episode 2, Wren was written and directed by W. Keith Timms. Sound designed, engineered, and composed by M.T. Goins. Featuring Lev Rodriguez-Shivers as Wren, John Cava as Tyler, Will Sanker as Charles, Jamie Lynn Marcos as Sister Genevieve, and members of our ensemble, including Thomas Diaz, Diana Helen Kennedy, Philip Kreienhoff, Chelsea Krauss, Aaron B. Lillis, Kelsey Painter, Anthony Proctor, and Will Sanker. The Love Talker is a production of Alien Ghost Robot and Celebrity Tumor and is produced by C.J. Penrith and Nancy C. Timms. Associate producer, Ian Knowles. Special thanks to H.M. Radcliffe. For more information, visit thelovetalker.com. Tell your friends and family about the show and kindly leave stars or reviews on your favorite podcast platforms. And be careful out there on the mountain.
I must be on Mars. We were starting to send. Oh, Higa, let you. Are you there? Cheka, a science fiction audio drama, season two. So I really am alone. Back to what happened, prisoner. Uh, you. You don't know what happened on Earth? As you probably know, Mars broke contact with Tellas Jigov many souls ago. Earth went silent the year I turned eight, and we haven't heard anything from there since. <sighs> I have better things to do than listen to these fairy tales. Can you for one moment imagine that I am exactly what I tell you I am? What would it take for you to believe that? If your story is a bit more plausible, that'd help. Loyalty can stretch many ways. Seems like you're quite adept at keeping secrets yourself. If needed, yes. Cheka, Season 2. For more information, please visit y2kpod.com slash Cheka. That's C-H- A-I-K-A I thought I wouldn't feel alone anymore once I got here, once I connected with some humans, but I feel more alone. I I only had my mom and then Hyuga and Lechu and I never I never questioned if I could trust them. It took me a while to consider them friends, but now now I have no one. Like I told you, no idea how I got inside. That memory jumps to an interior. I will tell you about that time I worked as a courier. I will tell it, and it will linger. Celebrity Tumor presents Delivery I know you got questions about him. Where did he come from? How did he do all those things they say he did? Was he a terrorist? Was he crazy? Was his skin really blue? Well, I'll tell you what I know. I was there with him, driving through the back roads under the stars. I was witness to wonders and miracles, and to the darkness that's coursing through the veins of our country. 
He came to fight it in his own strange way, but no one leaves that fight unchanged. Not even Rael. People ought to know the truth. And I was there. The Book of Constellations is a down-to-earth sci-fi road trip. It's audio fiction, and you can find episodes at bookofconstellations.com or wherever you get your podcasts.